Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to Down the Slope. I am Liam, and this week I am going to be the host because Ewan has decided that he's got so much rage to vent about yesterday's game that he's got to take a wee bit of an opportunity to unleash some bombs from his uh, from his from his sofa. I'm also joined by Harry. Harry, how you doing? I'm I'm impressed. I was I was completely fuming coming into this, and then I heard that introduction, and now I'm I'm just in awe. That that was that was an incredible start, Liam. Thank you, mate. Let's hope that's a sign of things to come. You and I'm going to assume you're well. Those those of you who are, uh, I guess, uh, more more vigilant, more observant, will notice that we are missing Greg, which is a real shame on the back of yesterday's game because I'm sure we'd all have loved to have heard from Greg. But in the spirit of that, uh, we do have a pre-prepared statement. Now, we do know how much the club that we were playing yesterday enjoy a statement, so we thought we'd have a down-the-slope statement of our own. So this is Greg's statement I'm just about to read to you, which is prepared. An absolutely incredible decision from an inept ref playing up to the masses yesterday has gone a long way to costing us three points. I can accept that the defending for the second goal was pathetic and not at an acceptable level. The first goal for the Rangers 2012, who were chased around Hamden in 2016, was about three weeks offside. Imagine my surprise. <laughs> However, the decision to send off Ryan Porteous was one that left me scratching my head, to say the least. Aribo went down like he'd been shot by a sniper. An incredible attempt at getting a fellow professional sent off that Nick Walsh bought. We took the lead with an excellent move. Cadden's ball into the box was perfect for Nisbet to score. I thought we were very good. Everything I spoke about in the pod last week we done. Certainly took the game to the Rangers 2012 in the first half an hour, and I thought we looked impressive going forward and solid at the back. Dealing with absolutely everything that they threw at us. I am still extremely annoyed at the decision to send off Ryan Porteous, as I'm sipping away a venti mocha from Starbucks in Belfast International Airport, and I still can't understand how Nick Walsh thinks that is a red card. I am glad to see Hibs are appealing. My other grievance is with Jack Ross and Paul Hanlon. I know that will surprise absolutely nobody, but for me, they should be calling out what was an absolutely horrendous decision. I feel like they were far too wishy-washy with it. Anyway, I've got a flight to catch back to my homeland. Fuck the SFA. Peace out. God bless Hibernian Football Club. It was great to get Greg in there, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for that, Greg. We, uh, I don't <laughs> think we could have got through this episode without uh, without hearing your thoughts on, on matters. Um, lads, where do we start with yesterday? Um, um, uh, Greg has said so much in, in, that, in that message. I don't actually know where to start with the game yesterday. How about we start with the first incident of the game? Let's just get right into it. Yep. So, two and a half minutes on the clock. Josh Doig's running down the left-hand side. What happened, Jim? Uh, at the time, I thought it was a really bad tackle. I, I did. Um, without being hypocritical, obviously we'll speak about other incidents in the game, but with what happens after it, it's got to be a red card, given the mindset of the referee yesterday. 
to not even give it as a fill is baffling. Um, <laughs> I actually don't know. Like, how? How has that been? It doesn't, just when you when you look back on the game, you can say hindsight's a wonderful thing, but you look back on that game, it doesn't make any sense at all to me how out of all the things that were given as fills, some of the stupid bookings and non-bookings in the game, and that's not even a free kick, is baffling. He's dived in. Whether it's one or two feet doesn't matter. He's about three yards off the ground. If Ryan Porteous is out of control and lunging, then he must have sprung off a fucking trampoline, man. Like, that's just mental. Um, it's a bad tackle. It's just a bad, bad tackle that somehow the referee missed. And it just sums up the game, is it? I think Calvin Charlton tweeted, um, and a wee Fred, I think he maybe referenced a tackle on Joe Newell or a decision against Joe Newell a couple of minutes after that. But... The tone was set for me from the moment that didn't get given as a free kick. Yeah. Harry, um, we were obviously the victim of um, some very select editorial or director's work from Rangers TV yesterday. They were, they were very picky about which replays they didn't show or, or, or chose to show. At the time, did you think it was a bad one? Being honest, mate, I'll, I'll, like, I'm, I'm just going to try and be as honest as I can. I don't think that's Aye. a free kick. Um, I think that for me... I don't mind the game being physical. I think that it is a bit of a lunge and it is a bit reckless. But I think by the time he's hit, by the time he, Josh Doig's at him, he's already on the ground. And for me, that's what matters. And for the incident that we'll talk about later on, I think it's the same situation. For me, I don't think either of them are free kicks. But for me, you need to treat both of them the exact same because I think that they are the exact same. If I was refereeing it, neither of them would be given a free kick and I wouldn't bat an eyelid. But if I was sending one of them off, I would have to send the other one off. Because um, I literally, I, I can't tell the difference between those two situations. I think that the worst thing is Nick Walsh has got a better view of the one because from the angle that he's seeing it at, he can actually see Lundstrom like, leave the ground and hit the ground again by the time he gets to the ball. So it's absolutely baffling how he's put two and two together and he's not got the same answer for each. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I can't say any better than that myself. So we, we move we move on from that incident and and into the kind of later stages of the game or the early stages of the first half, I should say. How are you feeling about Hibs Heart? Uh, Hibs Heart. Hibs uh, Heart. Hibs <laughs> Good mate. It's a couple of weeks ago. Good. I have to be honest. I was sitting here eh, and I don't know if it was because we were going back to that sort of watching. Obviously, you used two were at the ground, but it was very much like last season sitting sitting in the house watching a laptop. I could actually feel my heart like racing. Like I was really nervous. Um, and obviously, was it after like sort of thirty seconds, Rangers had sort of had that we threw ball that thankfully ran through to Messi. But I thought we started well, and when we got on the ball, we looked a threat and like. Y'all, Rangers are always going to have possession. You know what I mean? You look at the players they've got at midfield and that they're very good at playing out and stuff. But I thought we pressed them well. And like I say, when the most important thing was when we got on the ball, we looked well. And by the time the goal came, I felt like, I know Gerard said that it was against the running play at the time. Um, but he said a lot of things since the game finished yesterday. He's a gimp. I don't know if... Obviously, you take what they're saying, but with a pinch of salt. I don't know if he if he's maybe right. Maybe our dominance started after the goal, but I felt at the time we probably deserved. If if any team was going to score inside the first ten minutes, I felt it was going to be us, and it was a really really good fucking goal that we scored. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk about the goal then. Let's talk, let's talk about the goal because one of the one of the ways that I think we've identified and and I play against Rangers just over the last couple of seasons is the three five two has seemed to work relatively well yeah. against them, certainly in allowing us a a platform to go and play who's not always necessarily executed but it was Chris Cadden back in a more familiar position and right wing back who's really the architect of the goal what did you make of it Harry? 
Um, I, I think the clever thing when we play um, with three at the back is the fact that our wing-backs can pin their full-backs back because the strength of the Rangers team is they can play so wide because they can just have kind of free reign on the wings. But Patterson and Barisic in the first 30 minutes done absolutely nothing. And we were going to get goals because Cadden, every single time he got the ball, that Barisic didn't know what to do because Barisic in his head was thinking, where's Boyle? If I go to Cadden, I can't, where's Boyle? And then the amount of space that Cadden had found himself in to actually put the ball into the box, brilliant ball. Because I've been a bit critical of Cadden's crosses this year because I think, this year, sorry, because I think he's got a tendency to whip it a bit too much. But that one, he hits it in the air, perfect height for Nisbet, and Nisbet does brilliant in the air to actually put that in the back of the net because it's not an easy header. It's a great ball in, but to actually direct it away for Alan McGregor for that point, I thought yeah. it was a fantastic goal. I think um, I've spoken a lot this season about Cadden since he came back into the team saying this season, so in the last month, well, since the last international break, about his tendency to not take the full back on. Um, and I feel like sometimes he does put it in too early, but I think the goal um, yesterday, you see the benefit of getting it in early. I mean, it's it's terrible defending, and it? let's be honest, it's something that we've seen on numerous occasions this season. <laughs> <laughs> something that we've seen later on in the game, but like Kevin Nisbet is free in the box, but so he puts it right on Nisbet's head, and it's a great, great finish from Nisbet, like Harry says, to, to find that corner, because mm. as much as Alan McGregor is the angriest bastard in the world and I, without knowing him I don't it's the way he acts on a football pitch and stuff he doesn't seem like a great guy but he's a very good goalkeeper so I think because it was a good sort of 10-12 yards out I think as well so it beat him with that style of header and with the pace on it and stuff like that it had to be right in the corner really good finish and hopefully Nisbet goes to the Scotland squad with confidence and comes back with confidence and really kicks on because I think maybe a little bit like the rest of the team this last month since the last international break he's been a bit off it mm, yeah I think that's fair to say um, McGregor just watched it over him didn't he that's <laughs> not sweet to finish and the goalkeeper can only just watch it um, after after we scored um, I'm not suggesting we didn't have confidence going into the game I think we started well but after we scored it seemed to really lift us as well there was a period mm-hmm. after the goal where we really began to assert our dominance on the game we were putting together some really good uh, passing moves where there was kind of five or six kind of one-touch one passes. We're really good to watch for a period, aren't we, Harry? Um, I, I just think we started the game off perfectly. I, I, I think for Hearts, if they watch that game, that's a blueprint to beat, Ibro- beat Rangers at Ibrox. Like, I thought we pinned them back. It's a, it's the first time I've seen Hibs in years make Rangers look uncomfortable on the ball. I think they, for the first, like, two minutes, they were zipping it around and they looked really sharp and I thought we were going to be in for a bad day here. But as soon as we put one tackle in, they just completely crumbled. Like, they just looked so nervous. And when they were passing the ball around the back, they were so quick to get it forward. And it's not like Rangers, because under Gerrard, they've got such a patient approach when they're actually playing the game. But I thought Jake Doyle-Hayes and Newell particularly went under the radar for how well, brilliant they played in the first half hour. Um, I thought Jack Scott Allen was a bit anonymous. Um and it wasn't really his type of game. And as you said last week on the pod, it wasn't the type of player that we were wanting to start. But I think due to injuries and stuff, he kind of had to. Um, Liam, I'm interested to get your thoughts. What did you think of Boyle um, and how he started the game? I didn't I didn't really see what like the positions he was picking up. He was kind of playing off to the right-hand side, Nisbet, wasn't he? And he was, looked as though he was trying to play on the shoulder. And I just don't think we were able to get that ball to him in the right space and at the right time. Um I think if you're going to play a 3-5-2, I think that's probably just about where I'd prefer him to be in that kind of sort of right-hand sort of centre-forward position, that right-hand channel. Um, but I wasn't, I can't say I was I was, I was blown away by a start, um, to be honest. But 
I think there was there, there was there was certainly I, I can see why we played them in the position we played them because you're you're away against Rangers and actually there's going to be opportunities at some point in the game, particularly when it becomes more stretched for them to get in behind. So there was definitely a sense for me that it could work, but probably just didn't have enough time for it to work. Um, do you think him playing in that position was what allowed Cadden to have such a positive first half hour? I think so. I think Chris Cadden's best position from the, the the limited amount we've seen of him since he's been at Hedges quite clearly as a right wing back because it provides him the attacking freedom to be able to he's deep run enough the channel. Well. Yeah, he's deep enough to be able to come on to a ball. Um, I think the defensive part of his game is quite underrated as well. Um, I think he's a better, mm. you get to be a better defensive right wing back than you are and punted up into the left of the right wing as well. So I think the system definitely seems to suit him. I think what you're saying, McCat, like what I'm saying there, he's deep. Like I used to say it about Boyle, I felt Boyle was almost better at right wing back than what he was at right wing because it gave him the speed to get the ball deep and run at the fullback. I would say over the last what year to two years, Boyle's got a lot better in one-on-one situations where he can't just mm. use the pace. He goes inside, he goes down the line, he varies it a bit more. Almost the same situation for Cadden, but for different reasons. Because he likes to get the ball in early, he tends to have that room between, as a wing-back, and see that the, the full-back's not that close to him, so he can get like for the goal. He's got quite a lot of room to take a touch, get the ball in. Whereas I think if he plays as an out-and-out winger, just naturally when you play the game, the fullback pushes up to the in terms of our fullback, Paul McGinn, let's say on the right side, takes the ball in at the halfway line. Then if he's going to give it to Cadden, Cadden's say 30 yards out for goal, but the fullback's right on him. So he's probably he's then having to maybe try and take a fullback on, which probably isn't his strength. His strength's getting it in early. Mm-hmm. So I think that wing back role suits him down to the ground because like you say, he's competent enough at the back. He's got an engine to be tight when we're defending get out quickly if we need to. I think there was a few occasions yesterday where in that opening half hour when we spoke about distribution a lot this season, I felt Macy was really quick with his distribution in the opening half hour yesterday. Mm-hmm. I felt like he uh, rolled it out to the wing-backs really well. Doig and Cadden had obviously Rangers pushed their full-backs on, so there was a lot of gaps there and Macy done well because uh, like Harry said, we did limit Rangers to going in there a lot and the ball I felt like the ball found its way to Macy quite easily a lot of the time and I think we countered on the back of that well um, and then right. aye on you go right we've got we've got, we've got to get to it because this is what the listeners are here for um, so we're 1-0 up we've, we've asserted a dominance in the game we're, 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 we're controlling the ball um, there's a wee instance when we're not controlling the ball and for anyone who's not seen it, which I'm, I'm going to assume is absolutely nobody who's listening to this podcast, <laughs> describe to me, Harry, what ensues. Right, so I'll, I'll start off with the incident that the, the, the idiotic pundits are saying caused it. So Hibbs had a throw-in in the deep corner of the pitch. Ball gets thrown into Ryan Porch as he clears it. Morelos, about two seconds later, comes in the back of him, shoves him to the floor. Hibbs get a free kick. No yellow cards given. Anyway, um, we play out from there, and then maybe about two minutes later, um, the ball breaks. It's a bit of a loose touch from Porteous, and then he slides across and just kicks the ball down the wing to Doig, and we're off on the counter-attack. But then, for some reason, um, Aribo's down, holding his knee, even though he wasn't contacted, and the referee walks up and he sends Porteous off for what I still can't see is any justifiable reason. It is the worst decision I've seen since the Joe Newell red card at the start of the season. I think it's absolutely pathetic. Um, from the angle that he's seen it at, there's because from there's a, one certain angle that the challenge looks bad, and that's not the angle that the referee has 
from the referee's angle, all he can see is Poach just sliding and kicking the ball away to Doig. He can't see any form of contact on a rebo. If you watch the linesman, he doesn't flag. He doesn't give a free kick. All that referee's given it on the basis of is the fact that Ryan Poaches has a reputation when the only other straight red card he's had is with Nick Walsh. And also, he's got 50,000 uh, home fans screaming at him asking for a red card when no away fans are allowed, but they can have an armed forces day. So people that aren't even allowed in the crowd, but they can have extra bodies in the stadium when they can't have away fans. It's absolutely pathetic. And they've done everything they possibly can to help Rangers stay top of the league. Because God forbid any other team go top of the league by the national break. It's pathetic and they need to have an absolute word with themselves. Nat Nick Walsh shouldn't be able to referee Hibs games anymore. He's an absolute think, embarrassment. Um, I just want to come in on the back of what Harry's saying about um, on the back of like with the, the Norway fans and stuff. John Lundstrom gets booked if there's away fans and Ryan Port just probably doesn't get sent off. For me. Like Harry says, the linesman doesn't give anything. The referee yeah, doesn't. The, ref, the well, linesman couldn't be more still. Uh, the the referee well. doesn't give a free kick straight away. Now, I'll give him a bit of credit. I think we all hate when referees blow their whistle straight away. They give themselves a second or two to think about it. The crowd then goes fucking tits and he blows his whistle. And then even then, I'm like, he's going to book him. And then he just gets his... And, Obviously, with the streams and stuff, I'd muted everything except one group chat that me and Harry are in. And Harry had said, what the fuck? Or something along the lines. And I seen that come through just as the ball was starting to break. So I was like, fuck, Rangers are going to score. And then obviously, as soon as I see Portrush go in, you're like, how the... And you know, obviously, because of that as well, but like, he sent him off. And um, I just want to say, uh, Gav Gilly of, of, uh, does obviously like, the Hibs yeah. pod and Hibs net stuff. His tweet after the game yesterday, quote tweeted uh, the, the Hibs full-time tweet. Um, he's got 42 retweets and 157 likes on it. If you've not seen it, go and have a read it. But say, the game casts an ominous shadow on the integrity of Scottish football. We've allowed a club to create an echo chamber, unjustifiably banishing away fans from their ground. Of course, we're seeing refereeing performances like this one. Totally influenced by a monolithic crowd. Couldn't they be any more spot on? It's a terrible decision. And I'll be honest, I am now... Yesterday, I was fuming about that tackle. Today, I'm even more pissed off. Not that Porteous necessarily got sent off, but he's given that as a red card half an hour after not giving John Lundstrom as a free kick. Because see if he was at least consistent and said all dangerous tackles are red cards all lunges or all whatever. If he, How can you look at John Lundstrom and think, I think Rangers fans have been quoting an IFAB rule about, see if I can, um, if, you, if you lunge in, whether it's one-footed or two-footed through the front, middle, left, back, fucking stand, wherever you fucking want to come from. If you go in dangerously, it's serious foul play. There is no way you can justify that John Lundstrom isn't excessive force and Ryan Porteous is. I love, I love that Rangers fans are uh, are now interpreting the rules on our behalf when most of them probably couldn't even spell IFAB. <laughs> um, I, 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 this is difficult for me because there's part of me this season who has spent a lot of time criticising referee performances in Scotland. I think we would all accept, having been to a number of Hibs games this season, that we, there have been things that have gone for us and things that have gone against us. But I think we would all be in agreement and without putting words into your mouth to say that 
refereeing performances haven't been acceptable. But there's a massive difference for me about acceptable performances and then when you start questioning the integrity of the, the game, start questioning the integrity of the official. And I wonder at what point do you start to undertake some trend analysis on referees and the decisions that they give for and against teams? So Nick Walsh, in his last seven games, referee and Rangers games, has sent off six of the opposing team's players. At what point does that trend for the SFA or the SPFL or, or, or whoever it may be, the SPFL, at what point does it start to become a worry for them, a concern, when a referee continually makes decisions in favour of a team? Is he not from Govan? Did he not, is he not, was he not a PE teacher in a school in the area? Like, you know, at what point does that become, become an issue? Um, I, I, I find the decision from him yesterday weak. Um, I find the, 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 the how card happy he was just from the get-go. Immediately after that. Immediately yeah. after that, Paul McGinn got inconsistent booked. Inconsistent Or Rebo got booked or something. The inconsistent application of the rules. Um, the booking on Scott Allen yesterday, I don't know what was said, but... Not to me, that's really funny. When Scott Allen was walking off, apparently he walked up to him and he was like, that's your fault, because obviously he sent off Porches, so apparently he said, that's your fault, clapped and got sent, and got himself booked as he was walking off. That's class I didn't realise he got booked when he, as he mm. was coming off. Uh, Liam, see just, on the, see just on the back of that as well. 26th of December, 2020, Joe Newell denied a stonewall penalty at Ibrox for... At live play, looked like he got his head taken off. In the replay showed maybe there wasn't much contact, but hey, wait, Ryan Porteous didn't fucking touch Joe Aribo yesterday. Right? So, what did uh, Rangers win? 1 0. 27th of January 2021, Alfredo Morelos blatantly stamps on Ryan Porteous off the ball. Game, no, uh, no, no yellow, no free kick. Rangers win the game 1 0. Alfredo Morelos scores the winner. So, there's two one goal games. Obvious decisions haven't went in the favour of us. Or they've went massively in the favour of Rangers. 11th April 2021. Rangers 2, Hibs 1. Ryan Porteous scores a perfectly good goal that's disallowed for the wind blowing over Phil Hollander. Another one-goal game where Hibs have been denied points. I'm not going to say wins or anything like that, but like you, you tweeted, Liam, game-changing decisions, and I think you referenced that it's three in a row at Ibrox, but it's four in total because of Morelos' stamp yeah. on Porteous last season. And then we have yesterday's situation. Rangers fans are saying, are making a mockery of this, that the SFA favour Rangers because they've only had one penalty this season. Come on to fuck. Come on to... F- and do you know what? I almost... There's a bit of me that's in CB yesterday's game. It's not the Rangers fans, eh, fans' fault that Nick Walsh can't cope with 50,000 folks screaming at him. Like, because that's, that's the only reason he's given that. If that's at Easter Road, if that's, at, yeah, if that's at Easter Road and it's purchase on one of them, it's, it's not a red card. Mate, if that's that game yesterday and it's Paul Hanlon instead of Ryan Porteous, it's not a red card. He's given it because nah, it's Ryan Porteous. Simple as. Nah, it's 100%. It's, a, it's, a, it's, to, it's, it's totally a reputational thing. Recency bias kicking in as well. And um, can I can I just say as well? See, like obviously I've got a good few friends that are Rangers fans. God bless my soul. 
Um, but see, else. when it comes to football, obviously, when it comes to your own club, you're going to be biased at times. But see, Dundee United, the referee and performance was woeful. We got rubber the green. Against St. Johnston, we got a penalty. Probably, I think it's a harsh penalty to receive. Mm. Openly admit it. But see the Rangers fans that are saying, oh, it's a clear as day red card. One, you're either incredibly stupid and you're an idiot that doesn't know the rules of the game. Because see, the thing is for me, I'm raging because it's my, like, if that happened against him, as I said with the lunch thing, I wouldn't expect a red card. You need just sometimes you just need to take off the tinted specs and just actually watch football for what it is. That's an embarrassing decision. And see, the thing is, the referee in the Scottish game is terrible and it's been terrible for years. But when it goes for your team, you still need to say that it's shit and you need to say it's terrible or things aren't going to change. And see if they brought VAR in, they wouldn't have reversed that decision yesterday because they're all too yeah. proud to admit that they're shit. So see, Rangers fans that think it's that two years ago, greeting their eyes, you're Celtic are winning the league because the referees are against you. Now yous are winning the league because the referees for you. You've got to keep the same energy. Are things only going to change? And the next time that it flips and Celtic are pumping yous in the league, the referees are still going to be the same bad bastards that they are now because yous are making a mockery of this. It's an absolute farce. And it's thanks to the, it's thanks to Celtic, it's thanks to Rangers who let it be a farce for so many years because they find it funny when they, it's in their favour. Bastards. Yeah, and when the my, this is my thing, right? You're talking about the rule that's been applied to your serious foul play. The thing that baffles me the most is how Nick Walsh can think one's excessive force and the other one isn't. Because ultimately, what's excessive force does come down to personal interpretation, I guess, from the referee. So how can you look at one and not the other one? Just see if we... See if we were sitting here with John Lundstrom and Ryan Porteous both with red cards. Harry, you're saying they would have got both wrong. I'd probably be leaning towards the same. But at least you could argue he was consistent in dealing with similar tackles across the game. You know what I mean? At least at least you could look at it and go, well, Nick Walsh thought both of them were excessive. So in his mind and by the letter of the law and whatever, he's dealt with them correctly. It removes the accusation of bias as well. And unfortunately, yeah. you're left with no other choice but to think it must be bias <coughs> to the decision making. I think we, I think we've we've covered that. I think we need, we do need to kind of just move on to cover off the rest of the game, and we can maybe can in the post-match one, comments. One more thing that winds me up about it is the fact that national coverage, even outside this Rangers TV, it's just all Rangers pundits. Like I don't I, care what Alex Ray, Neil McCann, Kevin Thompson, etc., have got to say. Give us some like, give us a bloody Motherwell fan. Let Stephen Craig and Michael Stewart say what they've got to say. I didn't care about what former Rangers or Hibs players have got to say on it because obviously they're going to be biased. And can I just say, I do not give a fuck what Ricky Foster thinks because he is the guy. The guy bought a pair of specs to make himself look more intelligent. He is honestly (laughs) the dimmest person going. (laughs) He's the second most talented person in his household by a long, long way. The guy is an absolute waste of oxygen. He should be nowhere near a punditry job, and he's he's so biased. Well, at least um, at least Alex Ray's on our side because he can't believe if. He can't believe that anyone doesn't think that it's not a red card. <laughs> Alex Ray can't construct a He's a moon howler. Um, right. After all that, Jack Ross has to make a change. We have to respond. Makes the decision to take off Scott Allen for Darren McGregor. I think we can all agree it's it's probably the only substitution unless one of you tell me differently there was no Nathan Wood on the bench yesterday so it kind of was left to Darren McGregor to come on perhaps a game where we envisaged sitting quite deep and therefore needed someone who was good at defending the box what did you make of that substitution Harry? Um, It's a difficult one because 
like I, I think we started the game and I think we did take the game to Rangers. Obviously, neither the team, I think by the time Poachers got sent off, I think it was two shots to two um, in the game. So it was like we went with the intention of closing the game down and keeping it very narrow. Um, and I thought we'd done that very well. And obviously, as soon as you get the red card, you just kind of have to sit deep and hope for the best. As soon as Poachers went off, we were playing for a point because as much as we hate Rangers, like you're not going to survive 60 minutes without them getting numerous chances. And unless you get very lucky, you're not going to survive that. So personally, I think that was the only viable sub. For me, it was only... I thought it was a brave substitution, if I'm honest. I think the easy thing to do would have been to take... This is going to maybe sound a bit stupid, but I thought an easy thing to do would have been taking Boyle, Nisbet, or even Cadden off, because I think if he had taken Cadden off, moved Boyle back to sort of right wing back and went with one up front, um, I think it was a good sub from Jack Ross. I think, like Harry touched on it, maybe it wasn't going to be a day for Scott Allen anyway, because we weren't going to have a lot of the balls. As soon as you go down to 10 men, you're going to have even less. And look, Darren McGregor was an experienced defender as well. Um, I know he's had his critics this season, but I think the critic aren't necessarily of him as a player more of where the club was a few months ago having to rely on him to play three or four games I think he's still more than capable of playing 60 minutes at Ibrox if been called upon and I felt like until half time we still dealt with it okay um, I think we were good value for going in one now at half time as much as Shelley Kerr and Neil McCann wanted to talk about how it being such a shite game and until the red card, neither keeper had had a save to make, even though Hibs had scored a fucking goal. No, my fault, Alan McGregor couldn't dive and save a fucking header. Um, I felt like we were full value. Rangers did. There was probably a five-minute period right before halftime. Um, I think they did really have us under the caution. I thought we stood up really, yeah. really well to that. Um, yeah. And Liam, I know you're going to take us on to talk about the second half as a whole, but I just think Personally, I'm not going to be too critical of the goals we conceded because, yes, we scored conceded two goals in the way we did, but I, I wouldn't surprise me if Rangers put about 50 crosses into the box yesterday. That seemed to be... So let's just go and talk about the second half because we're getting there anyway. I, I, for me, watching the game, particularly um, the early part of the second half, Rangers didn't really seem as though they had a way to play through us and they were relying on getting the ball wide quite regularly and the fullbacks getting balls into the box. And I know that seems really obvious when you say that, because that's ultimately where the two goals came from. But there was clearly a, a, an element of we'd worked on being very compact and back in the middle of the pitch. And I've, I heard something, I can't remember which manager it was. I'm sure it was mind games. I think it might be the manager of English Premier League. He said, when you go to a certain ground, for hours in training the week before we practice playing with a man less because we know we'll ultimately at some point come a crop or some yeah, decision. Yeah. I remember. So I'm, 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 I'm sorry if I'm being an absolute villain here, but was it no Craig Levine that said that? It might have been actually. Going to I'm sure he said Park. that when he was playing Celtic one time. In fact, was it not when he was Dungeon United manager going to Ibrox? Yeah, might well have been like... that, that interview got dug up today. It's actually a really good interview, to be fair. And I know I'm, I'm not Craig Levine's biggest fan, but really, you know, he, 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 sometimes he does he does just call it out when he when he when he sees it. Um, but do you think do you think there was an element of us that we'd worked on on on, on being compact? Hundred percent. I think we, especially after the red card, it became more evident. But I I, I mentioned it earlier about how quickly Doig and Cadden got the ball from Macy to sort of break when the Macy got the ball. But they were definitely deep and it was definitely a back five when we didn't have the ball. I thought in the first half, um, 
the two wing bats were good at stopping the crosses, but I felt like we definitely wanted Patterson and Barisic to get the ball of it as much as it might go against everything we've seen this season. But I know Barisic and Patterson are both really good players and they've got great delivery, but I think we would probably back ourselves to win headers against Morelos, Scott Wright and was it Hadji? Ultimately, Roof that came on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, With Darren McGregor and Paul Hanlon in the box and Paul McGinn, you've got three, like, three so very I, solid you know guys. I, mean? I, think, so I would imagine, like you said, during the week that it probably was like, okay, we've not been great from cross balls this season, but if we're going to win this game, we need to be good at it and that's probably the area of the park to give up would be the wide areas, knowing that that in turn could also play into our hands if we can get a quick transition because I would back yeah. Cadden and Doig to outrun the two of them both time, yeah. uh, nine times out of ten. So I would think that was something that we planned on and then second half with ten minutes, it just happens by default, doesn't it? Yeah. A couple of decent saves from Matt Macy. I think it's it's, it's only fair to call out a couple mm-hmm. of decent saves in the, in, in the run-up to the equaliser. But then the equaliser does come. Uh, it's a header for Kimaru. Um, again, Rangers TV not not um, providing us any uh, conclusive angles to, to demonstrate whether or not it was an offside, which you know in some respects might might be quite telling. But I have seen kind of the odd photograph in the odd freeze frame, which would lead me to believe that I think he might just be onside. But I think yep. it is interesting that we've still not seen any footage which tells us conclusively otherwise. Um, good header from Roof, Harry. Good header from Ruth. I think that was the goal though that Macy should have saved. Or was that the second one? Second, was that's the second one. Was that the second one? I well, to be fair, Ruth's, Ruth's a good enough player. If he's got that much space, he's going to put it into a good area. Um, I think it's a good ball in the box for me. It's frustrating because it's the same old story we've heard all season. But as you and said, when they put that many balls into the box, one of them's going to be perfect, and it's, it's a good you know, finish. Not, the same you, as Nisbet, uh, you know what I mean? Like uh, it is a, it is a he, good finish. He's, he's still quite far out. Hmm. Like so, someone's someone's clearly lost their man, but we are down a man in terms of. Yeah. So, I know I don't I don't I don't mean this as a criticism, but we looked a bit all over the place with it, and oh, oh it's mm. easy to say that a guy was wide open, but when I seen the highlight back, like Paul McGinn was at the edge of the box with someone, and like Cadden was quite far out of the sort of back stick, McGregor was quite far over. Like I don't know if it's McGregor's got attached to Morelos, and. Because McGinn's obviously went with his man to the edge, like what's happened there. But I just with the offside, right? One Rangers ban all fucking media in the fucking world for going. So you basically get whatever cameras Rangers want to fucking provide, and that's it. Um, not seeing it from any other angle is an interesting one. And ultimately, we're going off of well you can pause your tv screen or whatever and you're going off fucking like harry likes to say freeze frames but you can't do that for offsides because you can't see when the ball leaves his foot you know i mean if you there's a frame where patterson's first striking the ball and roof's very clearly onside but then about two frames later i would say when it's just leaving his foot he looks very clearly offside and it's frustrating. It's probably one of the it's probably one of the things that see if we hadn't been so wide open. See if Paul McGinn had been sorry in any resemblance of position instead of at the edge of the box. Not a criticism of him. He is with a man, and he was sort of that open. I'd be like, he's got to be offside. But see, because there's not that Hibs player to the right of Darren McGregor, it's really difficult to tell. But 
I would lean on the side he's offside, if I'm honest. And just to have that much room, but it's frustrating. But I think that at that point, I don't know about you, you probably accept that a goal was coming and you just want to sort of grind it through. I I I thoroughly accepted that they were going to score at some point. Um, there was a there was a feeling there, but it was just a case of whether they would get one or two. For me, I didn't I didn't feel like they had that much that much in them. So it, like I said, it's not like they were creating guilt edge chances. Yeah. Um. Not 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 too long after that, Hadji kind of forces quite a good save from Matt Macy. Cuts in and goes across the box. Really, I think Rangers' only real opportunity that was kind of fashioned from a central area. Uh, Macy makes a good save. And then not long after that, they get the second. Um, Borna Barisic down the left, creates a bit of space. Ball at the box, header from Morelos. I mean, Harry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the floor to you for this, for, for this, for the second goal, and and in the, the faint hope that you met, you remember it well. Um, Matt Macy, maybe a bit questionable. Um, I, I want to um, quote. Uh, he's he's kind of a legend. He's, he goes by the name of Greg. It is totally unacceptable considering for a cross into the button. Um, in seriousness, I, I looked at it, um, one of our friends, Luther, into the group chat. Like, he's a Rangers fan. He sent her a breakdown of the goal. And essentially, it's just very clever movement from Morelos that essentially sees him get the better of po- uh, Hanlon. Sorry. Um, and it's frustrating because he doesn't get a very good connection on the ball. He puts it in a good direction, but it's not very powerful. And I think that Macy really should get enough to put it around the corner. Um, initial impression was he should have saved it when you've seen it back it's a bit critical to say but the the benchmark asset for Macy is would Marciano have saved it and in that instance I think yes um, so for me that's why I don't think it's good enough for Macy on that occasion but as you say they brought off some other good saves they they pinned us back well for the second half as, as much as they were fortunate to go against 10 men I think that um, they're used to doing it. I wouldn't be surprised if on the flip side they practice against playing against 10 men because quite a lot of teams do struggle to break um, compact units down like that. But Morelos, as much as we don't like him and as much as he's a bit of a hothead, he is a very good striker and I think he's just got the better of the handling there. I think it's... it's sorry, Liam. On you go, mate. It's a bit... Uh, one of the things, there was a, a number of things that I've been about the goal. I think, I think Macy could should do better. Um, I think Chris Cadden can do more to stop the cross as well. I think if you look at his movement, he kind of does this kind of funny little hitch kick thing uh, in the air instead of actually trying to put out, put a foot out to block it. So there, there are things about the goal that are avoidable, but I think when you talk about volume, you know, I think you maybe said fifty crosses, and I don't think either of us have looked into just how many crosses no. Rangers took because we, you know, we didn't celebrate trophies for getting crosses into the box. Um, they, they they must have they, you know there was a period where it did feel like there was a lot of balls coming in the box and I think for for every ten that we defended very well unfortunately there's a couple that we could have defended better and and, and Rangers have ultimately profited from that but I think the the long and short of it is if you're down a man players are uh, the opposition team are going to be able to get the ball wide and they're going to be able to get balls yeah. into your box and 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 from volume teams unfortunately will score so. By the same argument, the Rangers almost scored two identical goals to the one we scored. You know what I mean? Like, and if we can do that to Rangers, then why, why can they not do that to us? Sort of thing. You know what I mean? And yeah. obviously, it sticks out like a sore thumb for us just now because it feels like we are conceding these goals very regularly. Feels like it's every week. We know it's not every week because we've kept four clean sheets in the league. So, you know, it's like maybe every second week. <laughs> um, what? I, I, I don't blame Macy. Um, I think. It doesn't look great. Um, I think you see, you hear it a lot. Like, oh, I hit it too cleanly. 
and the keeper saves it. Morelos squaffs fuck out the heater and it goes almost straight down and in the ground I think Messi's six foot seven in case you didn't know he just can't get down it quick enough like it goes under his hand you know what I mean and then he's sort of trying to claw it and the fact he's trying to claw it doesn't make I feel like I've used the word the optics of it I feel like I use that every fucking week now but mm. see if Morelos heads it better it, say it keeps it in the air, Messi saves it. See, because it's like that squaffy wee bounce, Messi still thinks he's got a chance with it, which is why he's sort of scrambling in the net for it, in, in my opinion. He probably he could have saved it, but I think it's very harsh to criticise him for not saving it, because mm. it's a, it's a it's not a free header because Hanlon's there, but he's, what, six yards out? I think six, eight yards out, maybe ten max. He's definitely closer in the penalty spot. I I don't think many goalkeepers would save it. Honestly, I don't. Um, but hey, as well as a wee bit, of, wee bit of frustration. That I mean, it's difficult, isn't it, when you've been defending uh, in the way that we have and defending relatively deep. It's very difficult then to go from kind of holding on to yeah. flipping that into attack. A wee bit of frustration for you, Harry, that we didn't manage to. Fashion an opportunity in those sort of last 10 15 minutes. Right, so, think if, if the red card has come in the second half, then fair enough. But playing with 10 men, and I, I think the players put a lot of heart out there. I think they tried really hard to hold on to the lead. There's been times this season where players have been questioned how much commitment they've put in. I think that we put in an absolute shift, and I kind of blame them. 60 minutes against a team that's by far and away the best in the country, whether we like to admit it or not. Rangers have currently got a very good squad. and the fact we managed to hold on for about 50 minutes, no, maybe not 50, maybe about 40 minutes, I think is quite admirable. Um, so, yeah, I, I've none, none of my frustration um, is vented towards any of the Hibs players. It's, it's all on the one terrible decision that was made, in my opinion. Yeah, I think with what you are saying earlier, that was the, you are thinking, oh, let's go for it, but like, you've got to give Rangers some credit. I think there's another team in the country that you would rather not play yeah, against with ten men for sixty minutes, the way they can manipulate the ball, don't think they've done it all that well. Maybe in the first half yesterday, but in the second half they did do it well. Um, players like Glenn Kamara, that they just there was a few. T- I felt in the first half we pressed them really well and we got the ball back and forced it out. But there was a few times as well where Rangers got out of situations where I was like, oh. And you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden the midfield zone. I thought Johnny and Jake Doyle Hayes were excellent, but there was times when we maybe overpressed and Rangers have got out. And I think when you've got 10 men, they've got 11. The, the one disappointment one was for me, boiled him well. And I thought just kept trying to get a shot away with your left foot. I think he's hoping he, I think he's probably hoping he gets maybe a, maybe a nip, uh, maybe for a penalty or something. But I think he had a chance driving across the box that maybe he could have just had a ah, swing yeah. at his, maybe could have just had a swing at it with his left foot. Um, but, and I've seen, I've seen, I've seen a few people criticise him and Nisbet maybe for not helping out enough in the defensive third and stuff like that with ten men. But they were given instruction yesterday to be stay up I think Boyle did help out a lot defensively. Not like you say, Nisbet's had to stay high to try and have an out ball, and I thought he done okay. You know, like and uh, if there is positives outside open and half hour I thought Nisbet did look pretty good even throughout the game like I thought even his hold up as the game went on it dropped but even when we had 10 men I thought his hold up play was still pretty good and more back to what we're used to seeing from him 
So, I think that's the game done. I don't think we want to say any more in the game yesterday. I think we've, we've touched on some good performances. We've touched on things that annoyed us. We've reviewed the key incidents. Um, I think we do think just to be representative and reflective of comments from from our fellow fans after the game. I think we do need to touch on the post match comments. Um, Jack Ross, interestingly, kind of took the tact yesterday of being quite diplomatic, I would say, to say the least, um, and his post-match comments maybe even slightly conciliatory, uh, some Mavs fans might feel. He said that he'd seen it from a number of different angles, and from from one angle he could understand why the decision was made. What did you make his comments yesterday, Harry? Um, I, I, I really don't like that comment, because, as he said, he's seen it from multiple angles, the referee's seen it from one angle, and from the referee's angle, it's not a red card. I, I, me and you were discussing it yesterday, Um the phrase is giving the referee a decision to make. Kicking the ball the back right and forth is giving the ref a decision to make. Like the referee's job is to constantly make decisions based on the play of the game. Um, the manager needs to stick up for his players there. And I think that he's just covering his own back in case an opportunity comes up from down the line. That's how it's come across. And I've seen quite a lot of nah. fans say that. Um, nah, I don't think it's no, that, I, but I think, I, I think I you're think, right. I think you're right with saying he's covering his back. If he goes out there, in a game like that, on an instant like that, and has a go at the ref, he's got a three match, three game touchline ban. I, I don't think I don't think if he goes out there and he says, I, I think Poaches is hard done by for the red. I, if, he, if he says it not lambasting him, he's not going to get in trouble. I think he should have, but so... I think he's been nervous of. I, I I'll be honest. I think I, I so from my perspective, his comments didn't go far enough. I was really disappointed when I listened to it because I felt like you can still say that you think the ref you got the wrong decision, but walk on the right line of of the. Yeah. Uh, of the whatever you call them, judiciary panel, yeah. they call themselves compliance officer, whatever they're calling themselves this week. I, I, I think, I think the, the comments from 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 Ross, I think, I, I understand them. Um, he talked about being frustrated to lose the goals, but ultimately, for me, he didn't focus enough on the incident that changed the game. Um, and you know, I think the interviewer asked the right questions. I'm not sure if Jack Ross responds in the way I'd expect the Hibs manager to. And if I contrast his comments with the way that Stephen Gerrard has behaved himself in his time in Scottish football, um, which is to create this, you know, cliche siege mentality. Um, Stephen Gerrard, every interview he has, he uses it as an opportunity to ch- to flip the narrative to make Rangers out to be the club that are. The victim. Hard done by, yeah, um, yeah, hard done by, uh, and you know, we done know in his very Rangers first, like... po- done in his very first post-match interview up at Aberdeen, said yeah, that yeah, the decisions had been going against Rangers for years. I shut up, silly cunt! You've no fucking it, it, looked at Scottish football. Never, never watched the football. And the last thing that Rangers need to feel any more uh, of is being the victim, because um, we all know, uh, you know, from 2016, just how much they love being the victim. Um, and Stephen Gerrard plays up to it. And I, I, I just, I was, I think Jack Ross needs to be. I think he probably thinks in his head he's really smart and he's 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 done the right thing with the media, but I actually think the reality is um, that will not help us in future because ultimately we have just said, aye, that's okay. And it comes to the appeals process, I think that comment could either as part of that process or subconsciously could be used against Jack Ross. What, um, what did you make uh, of the... I actually thought it was probably more critical than of the defence in terms of the goals than he probably has been all season. I was actually a bit surprised. And I have to say, when he came out and spoke about the game, I thought, oh, like that's he's been quite 
and I, that's it's what made it even more. That's what made it's it just... even more surprising to me when he didn't criticise the red card because I thought he was going to come out and just continue on the critic the criticism. You know what I mean? Like I thought it was quite harsh on the on the goals that we conceded. One of the We'd have got a free pass for that yesterday. We did not talk about defending. Sorry, Harry. No, I was just going to say, I think Jack Ross, it's, it's unfortunate for him, but he just doesn't seem to get Hibs fans. Like, I, I I really like Jack Ross, and I'm not saying I want him out or anything or anything to do with that, but like certain teams and clubs have got cultures and identities. Like, I'm a big Philadelphian sports fan, and there's a certain way that you need to conduct yourself when you're an athlete or a coach in Philadelphia. And I think being a Hibs coach, our players the exact same. We've got these overinflated expectations, and when we're wronged, we want it called out. And Jack Ross doesn't really have that mentality yet. It's the type of thing that you would have expected him to have learned after getting to a cup final and the best league finish in 17 years and fans still not being happy, that you need to realise in moments like yesterday, the fans aren't going to be pleased if you're backing down. He needs yeah. to double down and just spit in the face of the SFA, essentially. Do you but, think, Liam, like, with what you're saying, compa- comparing Jack to Jack Ross to Gerrard, do you think because Gerrard's been at that sort of level with Liverpool where it is mind games, he's watched Benitez and Ferguson talk about stuff like that, whereas Jack Ross has probably been at clubs where, let's say, well, he's been at St Mirren, player and manager. You've heard Jim mm. Goodwin talk this season around how decisions always go against the smaller teams and stuff. So do you find Jack yeah. Ross has maybe never been in a position where his fan base expect him to be as vocal and be as sort of... The, the game, not saying the big games are too much from or anything like that, but just the sort of media circus that goes around the games. I think let's be fair to Jack Ross. I think Sunderland are a big club, and I know they're, where they're standing. In I just mean, we right did, now, but even the even club. the games that he would have been managing them though in League One. When I, is the... I know, but the scrutiny of a, a club and they're a proper. The, I mean, I, I give English football relatively uh, rough time because I think there's a lot of clubs in England that are fast, they can shite, and Sunderland are not one of them for me. Mm-hmm. But a real core ball, and they're a proper football club, they're a proper working class football town. Um, I think the pressure and the scrutiny, the experience there, whether you're in League One or whether you're in the Premiership, yeah, there's probably more scrutiny from the broader media, but the actual scrutiny you receive from your own fans, I don't think changes. With respect yeah. to what league you're in. I just so, mean with like think, the attitude of what he's saying and stuff, like because possibly, and possibly. Sunderland and League One are they going to? They're not getting a game where they're going to go away to what is Rangers for Hibs, where we know we're going to be up against it. We're pretty sure the referees aren't going to give us stuff. Ultimately, Sunderland and League One are kind of like Rangers. You would probably you'd expect a fucking I don't know a Wimbledon to be like, oh, we're at Sunderland. They're going to get fucking everything. They're the bigger team. You know what I mean? Like. No, the Sunderland never played the stadium like with forty five thousand home fans and no away supporters. No, but you know, but that's from that. But but exactly that's why I'm like, Jan, should he not be doing more to put what <laughs> what things we have in our favour? You know what I mean? Like, should, in his pre match conference, could he be talking about, oh, when we're going to Ibrox with fifty thousand, we're going to need need a strong referee? You know, I, like, I think he could. I think he could and should. I think he could and should. I think. I think Stephen Gerrard's comments, just to touch on them again, just just briefly. Stephen Gerrard's comments just they show a real lack of self awareness for me. Um, his career as a professional footballer is literally littered, littered with incidents in which he had life, or not sorry, not life, career-ending challenges on on players. I don't need to list them because they've all been doing the rounds on Twitter today. But if you are interested, the Gary Naismith one in particular, two-footed lunge, three yards off the, off the ground. Uh, Dan De Herrera one, 50, 58 seconds after coming on against Man United. Uh, his career 
um, I think, 61 yellow cards and six red cards in his career. He was no saint himself, yeah. um, as much as he likes to paint himself out to be this paragon of virtue. He, the, the guy, he, he, he's a hypocrite, basically, is what he is. Yeah. Um, just, just to give him his, his name. And, and look, I would like Jack Ross to get a much stronger stance than just the, he disappointed me yesterday, but I wouldn't want him to go down the ground to be a hypocrite. Yeah, I would just like, I make no qualms about being a Liverpool fan, so I'm pretty well versed in Steven Gerrard's career. And he wants to talk about letting teams down and stuff like that. Like, maybe he's speaking from experience, because as much as he ran the show for Liverpool and held us together for a long part, there's many games, like you say, in red cards that like he came off the bench against Manchester United and at half time and got sent off inside 45 seconds for a oh, horrid know. tackle. Like, and He's very, very condescending in his interviews when he talks around about Hibs. And I think it's just the mannerism he is with the media. He makes out like he's been very complimentary and stuff. Oh, they play football the right way. They do this. They're a tough nut to crack and stuff like that. Oh, they fucking pish. But the way he spoke about Ryan Porteous, the kid, the kid, fuck off, mate. Like, oh, the kid's not learning. The kid's that. The kid's a good player. He's 21, 22. He's not a kid. He's an adult. He's a professional football player that ultimately your fan base have decided um, as a thug. And I just just on the back of um, talking about Jack Ross, I was more disappointed with sort of disappointed but not surprised with what um, Paul Hanlon said as well after the game because I think a player's got more free reign to say whatever the fuck they want than a manager. I don't think the SFA would give Paul Hanlon a two-match ban for having a dig out at the ref and it was very much just along the same lines as what Jack Ross has said. I don't know if maybe there was a discussion around what we should and shouldn't say, maybe. But, yeah, just nothing to do with the fact he's captain or anything like that. Just I would have liked the club, whoever the was doing the post-match media, to be a little bit more... Not even support of Ryan Porteous, just calling the ref out for his shite. You know what I mean? I don't think Ryan Porteous cares if Paul Hanlon or Jack Ross say in the media, like, he may gave the referee a decision to make. I just think, as much as you're talking, Liam, about Gerrard's done well to sort of victimise Rangers, but I guess you could also look at it as that sort of it's a mentality thing, isn't it? Like, everyone's against us and stuff like that, and, like, Nobody likes us, we don't care, except we do except, care. Uh, like, <laughs> maybe sometimes Hibs could do a little bit more of that, like screaming at referees and fan... Be- like, I think even, not digging out fans and stuff, maybe getting a bit on a tangent here, but I think even at Easter Road at times, like we're quite an accepting fan base when it comes to bad decisions. And I feel, I feel like over the years, we don't hound referees and stuff like that. And... I know Neil Lennon said we were a boy band and stuff, but and it's not about that. But I just think at times we could be a little bit nastier and a little bit like if you're saying what you're saying about Scott Allen's right, then I've got no issue with that because the ref should know that it's his fault. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think one of the key things for me, just just I mean, Harry, does anything else you want to say on the Paul Hanlon comments after the game? I don't know if you saw them. I I, I, did. I, I think Paul Hanlon's just a nice guy. Um, and I think that he actually does have a very positive impact in the dressing room. Everybody likes to say that he's a weak leader and stuff, but I think that he's just a nice person and I think he does the right thing by the club. Well, not not in that interview, but I think for the most part he does. I think that he gets a lot of flack for things that he doesn't do and people will go unnoticed and you won't actually see on the pitch. I think Paul Highland's a very good captain. Obviously, 
could have came out and spoke a bit more. But for me, I think the real leader's got to be the manager. And if he's heard Jack Ross's comments and he's following, exactly. so I don't, I don't pick any problems with Paul Hanlon now. I think there's there's a difficult there's a difficult thing for us as fans, and clearly we as fans, I think, are maybe the those who are inclined to have the most emotional reaction after a game, and are quite often, particularly if someone is a captain or is a boyhood fan or you know someone who has a strong link associated with the club, we want to see them react in the way that we react. So, so we almost expect that other players, and when we don't get that reaction, I think naturally we're disappointed. Um, but there are lots of outlets for fans to make their feelings known. You know, this is one of them. Uh, I'm not saying this is the only one, but this is you know this is one of those opportunities that fans have to voice voice how they feel about this. And I think we are in a position, we're in an lucky position where we're not going to get a phone call from the SFA because we're suddenly saying because the SFA we're not on their radar. <laughs> no, the difference is we want that phone call radar. for the SFA. We want them to call us up and question us. See what happens. Well, well we, we were, I mean, Ian Maxwell was sitting about five seats away from yeah. us on, on Wednesday night. So if that, if we'd seen Ian Maxwell <laughs> after the incident, I might have gone up and had a quick word with him, but I didn't actually get the opportunity given uh, given given how timing worked out. Um, look, I think we need to leave it there for the game. Um, I think that we, we've, we've covered a lot. I, I, I'm conscious that I'm, I'm hosting this week and I hope that uh, you, the listeners, feel like we've done that section justice because I know that we're all raging. I know we're all feeling it. Um, I know we're all angry. I think we're we're, desert, like, we're entitled to be angry. I think that, that ultimately we have been wronged by the decisions at the weekend. Um, I guess moving on from that, we probably just need to mention the fact that uh, just in the last couple of hours, Hibs have mentioned that they are going to appeal the decision. Um, so we hope that yeah. that uh, you know sense is seen uh, and there is some consistency applied, uh, and ultimately the red card is overturned to make you, sure that Porteous is available for the Dundee United game. Do you think it's um? Do you know? See, just what you're saying about the Dundee United game, that can mean he's missing about a month of football, right? Because of the yeah. timing of it as well with international break, fuck, just I just I'm going to be coming in for the cold if it's like. Do you think the club would have appealed it if they didn't see? Do you think the club have judged the fan sort of backlash the word? Because well, I, think, I think the club, I think people at the club have got eyes and they've deemed the fact that it's not a red card, so they think why on earth would we not appeal it? Do you think there's any chance in hell that that's overturned? No, no, definitely no. not. I think, unfortunately, cool. trial by sports, you know, a wee bit as well. It wasn't even like it was discussed. It wasn't. It was even a debate last night. Ricky Foster just said, "Matter of fact, it's a red card." And James McFadden just kind of lazily sort of agreed with him. Sure. There wasn't even really much discussion about it. And unfortunately, I think we do find that sports scene does tend to dictate. James McFadden on James McFadden on sports scene is a bit like me when I host. Just says he agrees a fucking lot. <laughs> I, 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 I actually, James McFadden is one in the media who. I don't hate. I don't hate I him, but I just think I, I think he's all right. But he he, he 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 isn't capable of independent thinking at all yeah. times. I don't think. I think very much in the way that we've made Stephen Thompson really good commentator. He wasn't capable of independent thought whatsoever. I think um, uh, McFadden's a really good co-commentator, and I think he's a pretty decent pundit. I just think if he doesn't speak first, then don't expect a debate. Expect him to just agree with the first point that's made and then move on to the second one where he might get to make the first point and he's actually fairly uh, intellectual with it. Um, do you think, though, uh, the giant the club can use the fact that Lundstrom didn't even get given as a fill as a sort of string in our bow? No, nah, I don't think that. I, I, I wouldn't imagine or you to question other decisions as part of that appeal. It would be interesting to see if John Lundstrom cited 
Um, I was going to say, Camille, uh, how do you report that? Uh, I don't, I don't, I would, I would suspect probably not, um, knowing how these things are run, but I hope. <laughs> nice lava lamp, Harry. Uh, I do, I do, I do hope that it's given proper consideration, but I suspect not. Right. Move on. The women no, play no, Rangers exactly yesterday as well. Game we're talking about, eh? Nah, so um, I don't know how much of this she's managed to catch because obviously it was on at the same time the game, uh, same time as the men's game yesterday. Uh, but Hibernian women went down to Rangers yesterday, one um, nil. Uh, disappointing result. Um, maybe not an unexpected result given the, the, the investment that Rangers have made uh, in recent times. And I think Gibson did say after the game on Wednesday felt like it was maybe quite a tough game uh, against Rangers. Certainly seemed to kind of hold out for quite a period, and unfortunately, um, Rangers got that goal, uh, which ultimately ultimately means that we left uh, left empty-handed. What did you just make of it? It's, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be but I was just going to say, you go, you go, you go. You go. <laughs> um, it's essentially the same problem um, that they had against Celtic. They were more than good enough to match them and stay in the game, but when it comes down to the vital moment, they let the goal away. Um, Dean said after the game it was essentially a carbon copy of what happened against Celtic apart from it was 1-0 instead of 2-1. Um, you just need to stay on full alert against the good teams for 90 minutes and if you have those lapses in concentration you're going to get punished. It's literally what it came down to. Yeah, I think, I'll be honest, I've not watched the game. By the time the, the men's game finished yesterday I was so angry that just the thought process behind the women's game sort of I just, I didn't really, I knew the game was happening and stuff and I was keeping track of it on Twitter and stuff, but the thought of putting on another game of football was really fucking me off. I was too busy arguing with folk. Um, the, I think what the, the team are showing is that they're capable of, not too dissimilar from, from the men's team, dispatching of the teams that they should be dispatching and competing but maybe just a small, small bit away from the top teams. It'll be interesting to see how we fare against Glasgow City, who I believe are up next. Uh, and because as much as Glasgow City have obviously won the league, I think 15 or 16 times, um, I think they're the third force now. Uh, I really do. Um, and I think it would be a real big opportunity for the, for the, for the team to go and put a marker down and Look, maybe we are competing for third place this year, maybe even fourth place. But I think if we can get a result against Glasgow City, that'll go a long way to boosting confidence and maybe really bringing home the positives um, of the two uh, performances either side of the derby. If we, I think if we can get a win against Glasgow City, that would keep momentum going nicely. Despite maybe if we get a point in that game as well, to be fair, getting four points at uh, those four games, because that was a brutal yeah. batch of fixtures, that, to be fair. It's kind of similar to the men's team. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, Celtic and Glasgow City winning as well. So kind of the distance sort of between the top and the, the rest of the league starting to starting to stretch away a bit. But look, we'll keep we'll keep up with the women's team's progress. We'll keep sharing um, results and, and as much as we can about games as as, as things progress. Um, I think let's just, let's just go and talk about high B of the week. I know it's a tough one this week given the circumstances. Um, I'm not going to do what you did last week and jump in there as the host and take an opportunity. I'm going to give you. <laughs> I didn't even tweet the poll out again. I'm going to give you both the opportunity. Uh, Harry, we'll come to you first. Who's your high B of the week this week? Well, first of all, first of all, can we go back? So last week, 
on the, on the Monday when we recorded, as we do, I say my high be the week is Ryan Poachus. And then three days later, when I'm not on the podcast, my high be the week is completely disregarded, isn't even mentioned. I give a score prediction for the Rangers game that isn't even mentioned. And then you chumps change your high be the week. Absolute drivel, absolute nonsense. Um, to be honest, I was trying to um, procrastinate while I was trying to think of a high be the week because I'm really struggling. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it to... Oh, I, I honestly, again, I'm only trying to think of funny ones, but I'm, at, I'm struggling here. Like, um, I was going to give it to the Eagles, but they got papped off the um, So that wasn't a very good performance. East Fife got pumped at the weekend, as they always do. Um, it's a podcast, mate. Fucking get on, mate. Stop yeah. nominating the <laughs> fucking teams. I'm going to give it to fucking Mark Oxley for no longer being at the club because that makes me happy <laughs> the fact that Mark Oxley's going <laughs> to win the football club. There you go. Mm. Yeah. I mean, is it me now? Is it? Aye, Aye, you go. Go. Um, I am going to go for. <sighs> Ben Kensel Kensel for making the decision to appeal the red card. Is it CEO that makes the decision? It was his his statement. Was it? Okay. Well, I'm going to go for another club employee. I thought about giving it to Nick Walsh using Harry's kind of theme of anti-high beer the week, (laughs) given Nick Walsh's nomination. I also think that Nick Walsh probably would be absolutely disgusted to be associated with the word Hibernian. Uh, in any way, given what it means, um, given that he is a member of uh, the Orange Lodge. Um, but I'm, I'm going to give it um, to Calvin Charlton. I think um, mm. those of you who follow Calvin on Twitter, um, I know he's, he's gone private uh, relatively recently. I thought his statement was probably the best yep. statement that came out of anyone from the club uh, and actually just one of the better statements generally um, in the game. As a lot of you won't have seen him because he's private, so I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly read out what he said. Um, some go for you, some go against you, in quotation marks. Unfortunately, it seems an overused and unacceptable term in Scotland, but it's really an indictment of how regular big contentious decisions are. Refs need more public accountability, and in general, we need to help our referees to be better. Um, not going to comment on specific instances, but I will say the tone standard of the referees from performance was set very early with the foul giving against Joe in the fifth minute, as you mentioned earlier. Boys were really comfortable up until the red, dug in and tried to hold on. It wasn't enough, unfortunately. It probably wasn't the kind of blood and guts kind of response, but actually just dissected how yeah. I felt at that point in time. Um, so, Calvin, you get my nomination for High Baby. You probably didn't listen, but if you do... Hey, sometimes um, sometimes being Cam's the best way to be as well, eh? Like, yeah. the fact yeah. he's been very... that's It's very clear that an analogy... Obviously, I think... I think as well, someone like Calvin, sorry, I know we're going to end up going over old ground here, but I'm doing it anyway. Someone like Calvin, who's in a position of analysis and looking at the game, he's going to be able to feed back that to the rest of the team. I would be, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what Jack Ross, I really wish there was a press conference. I wish we had a game midweek or at the weekend to get Jack, so Jack Ross could speak again. Because yeah. he's obviously maybe watching the game through a different light. And he's been able to pinpoint a moment early in the game where, a trend has been established and that calmness and that view on the game can sometimes add to it because see if we were all just sitting screaming John Lundstrom should have been red carded as well then you sort of lose that I guess effect whereas he's saying well go and look at that yeah. look at that he's probably off the top of his head he could probably go and pick 10 instances 
instances yesterday where things have went against us. Like, why was Morelos not booked for wiping Portress out late off the ball? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Stupid, isn't it? I think this week only we just need just, I think this will be quite therapeutic for us. So, um, in addition to High B of the Week, we're also going to do Cock of the Week. Okay. Um, for and I just think that we just need to call out some certain individuals. Um, so the one I want to call out this week is Cock of the Week is, um, frankly, I don't know how we still talk about Scottish football when he can't even pronounce the name of Aberdeen's ground. Um, Chris Commons. Uh, I don't know if anyone's <laughs> seen Chris Commons uh, this uh, week. Uh, today, but he's, he's called Ryan Poach as a hatchet man, um, which is just typical lazy. Work from Chris Commons. I won't call him a journalist or a pundit because he's neither of those. Um, but his his statement today does absolutely no favours for anybody. Just in the last few minutes, you've seen a tweet from someone who's referenced uh, the fact that Martin Boyle was called a diver by Yogi Hughes and the damage that did to his rep- yeah, reputation. Uh, I think that hatchet man statement will do similar damage to Ryan Porteous, unfortunately. And actually, probably some of it now is the point where it's irreparable damage. So, Chris Commons, your cock of the week. Harry? Um, I was glad. Do you want to go next year? Yeah. You go on, Tom. Kevin fucking Thompson. No! Oh, no! You son of a... I was so sure you were going to go for him, which is why I wanted that in. I tweeted just before kickoff on the podcast page. Can't wait to listen to Kevin Thompson for 90 minutes. And then you know what? See the opening half an hour. I thought, he's learned a little bit of his lessons here. Uh, he's actually been less of a cock than he was last time. He's referencing the fact that Hibs exist. And I thought he was quite complimentary about our play. Clive, uh, anyone watching on YouTube, Harry's currently given a lava lamp a wank. Um, the, even Clive tells me, I thought they were quite calling it as they seen it. And then um, the red card happened um, and um, Kevin Thompson went full broken glass blue nose bastard and um, I think the best shout of the game, do you know what, call Ryan Porteous what you want, if you think it's a red card then do you know what, that's your opinion, you're entitled to that, you're also allowed an opinion on Kemar Roof kicking the ground and adamantly saying it's a foul watching it on a replay, watching Kemar Roof kick the ground and still say it's a foul He's a fucking arsehole. And quite frankly, if he, if it's true that him and his son still have season tickets at Easter Road, I hope Hibbs put his name on a fucking blacklist and don't accept his money. Honestly, someone that will openly talk that much shite about your team was has he, no was place. He giving it the we and us yesterday. I don't know if he was giving yeah. it as much, but yeah, um, yeah, we, he, he was loving the we and us. I mean, just he, gave, he, 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 he had Pat Stanton and Cliff Pike whispering bedtime stories in our years yesterday at the game. Unlucky years. Yeah, he so he, he did that. give a. Um, I think he gave a couple of Uzzies and stuff like that, but it wasn't as bad as what it was before. But yeah, I mean this in the nicest way. I'd rather. Rudy Scatchel sit in the fucking home end of Easter Road than that fucking cunt because at least Rudy Scatchel lets it knows if doesn't he pretend that he likes us? You know what I mean? Like well, so, lovely way to summarise. Like, Harry, who's your cock of the week? See, I'm 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 torn between two. Um, I was going to go for Ewan because he stole mine. Um, but just on the basis that he used to play for him, and I reminded myself and it pissed me off. I'm going to go for Mark Oxley. <laughs> 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 Shout 
should have went for yourself <laughs> or reminding you should have went for yourself or reminding yourself that Mark Oxley playing for him. I know, like honestly, or oh, Mark Oxley, am I right? Hey! Oh, no, for obvious reasons. Uh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> right. Uh, on that note, thank you very much, Harry, uh, for ending us on a happy note. Um, we hope you enjoyed it this week. Next week, it's international break. We might do something next week. Might just put something out. Might just preview the Dundee United game, chat some shit about Scotland, yep. see how we feel. Um, but we will be back with you next week, one way or the other. Um, in the meantime, stay safe, take it easy, and uh, fuck the Rangers. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye.